0: Thanks for joining the Life's Better podcast where we say life is so much better with God, community, and purpose. Jonathan Gleason here with Josh Doolin as always. Josh, I'm not sure if this was something that you experienced as a kid, but I felt like when I was a kid, every old person wanted to ask me the same question, and Mm, it was a question I didn't like answering because I didn't really have an answer. If they said, hey, what's your favorite color? I knew that one. Mm-hmm. Um, if they said, what sports do you like to play? I could nail that one. Yep. Uh, hey, what's your favorite subject in school? That might get a little trickier because I didn't necessarily like the subject in school. But this question- Gym class. Maybe, yes, yeah, yeah that's right. Everybody <laughs> likes that one. Uh, the question that I didn't like because I didn't really have an answer and eventually I figured it out, but the question was, what do you want to do? What do you want to be mm-hmm. when you're older? Like, yeah. what do you want to do for a career? Yeah. I thought that was a nice question if I was maybe in college, but as an eight-year-old, I was like, I think I got time. I think Mm -hmm, I had time to figure mm -hmm, this out, mm -hmm. and I don't really have an answer for it. Uh, I I landed on, uh, at some point in elementary, Marine Biologist. Oh yeah, really? Which I felt, once I started telling other people, I felt like everyone wanted to be a Marine Biologist at some point in their life. Yeah, probably. But um, that did not work out, I think, mainly because I'm not very good at biology, so I'm, I'm now a pastor instead. Today we're going to be talking about work, and this is actually to complement a series that we are going through on Sunday mornings, Mm. and it's hopefully going to be a topic, at least today, that will help us kind of navigate how we interact with our work environments because Mm -hmm. I think most people seem to have a love-hate relationship with work. Any given day, you might find yourself loving work a little bit more and other times really hate work. And so we're going to be trying to answer that question. How can you move towards loving work as opposed to hating work? It's cool because uh, students, if you're listening to this, I hope some of you
1: do, uh, we've been going through a series that we just ended on uh, what is God's will for our life. We mm. talked a lot about, many of you guys had questions about uh, how, how do I know like what I'm supposed to do when it comes to work and uh, when I get that, like how, how do I use that? To do God's will and yeah. like, uh, you know, a lot of us uh, have that like intentionality when we're younger. But then once you get into it, there can be sort of this like falling out of love, or le- <laughs> it's less romanticized yeah. than than you made it when you were a kid. And so like, how do you how do you keep on yeah. going? Is is a great uh, way to follow up that series. So. absolutely.
0: So we're gonna play a game as we often do. This game is called Work Besties. Josh and I are gonna try to determine whether or not we (laughs) are besties at work. I've got a list of five questions that if you are my bestie at work, you should should know. know. I should know. And you've got a list of five to see if I'm your bestie at work. So I don't think we need to get all 10. I think it would be fair if we were able to nail seven out of 10. Okay. Would that be fair that we are work besties? Work besties, at least uh, (laughs) work
1: friends we get less than that maybe at best work acquaintances yeah acquaintances, if
0: we're like five or fewer maybe we're enemies maybe yeah, yeah. four we'll go with four or fewer uh, <laughs> enemies okay so i'm going to ask you a question josh and then i'm going to actually answer it you've got your answer already written down yeah. because i gave you these questions ahead of time this is way better it like, is oh my gosh as like opposed to thinking in, in the moment uh, yeah yeah you did not cheat though i did not give you these answers These are legitimately, you have to come up with them, but you did uh, earlier. So, Mm -hmm. here's the first question. When would I, when would I, Jonathan, most appreciate calls or pop-in visitors being screened or intercepted at work? I don't know if you guys can read this. I really hope you do. Don't read it yet. I'm going to give you the answer. So, the answer I have is Monday. Mondays. Like, all day Monday, pretty much, would be awesome. I wrote Mondays (laughs) with an exclamation point. Yes, that is my, hey, I want to tackle a couple of projects without any interruptions. Mm -hmm. And if I can do that on Monday, it frees up the rest of the week. Yeah, there was like some
1: obvious ones where I was thinking like, okay, if he's in a meeting with someone already, like he probably doesn't want to be interrupted. He wants me to get those calls so that they're not annoying him. But yeah, no Mondays are are Jonathan's like... uh, which is good, because it's the beginning of the week. Yeah. It'd be way worse if it was, like, Fridays. <laughs> I don't want you to know me on Fridays. I, I haven't thought about my sermon at all <laughs> yeah. until Friday. That would be trouble so... for everyone.
0: <laughs> all right, what's my question? All right,
1: your question, your first question is, where can you find Josh at least once a week on his lunch break? Uh, and you have an answer already, which I is do. good. So I can actually talk about the fact that when I was coming up with these, Emily, Emily was helping me, and she was like, well, that's kind of cheating because it's not... All year round, and I was like, "Yeah, that's fair, guys." Okay, but
0: I like wh- I like where we're going with this, because I think I nailed it. Then
1: at least once a week, uh, Emily and I have lunch together at the in not in the school, but in the school parking lot. I go get her lunch and bring it to her, and we sit in my car and we talk about how our days are going, and then we eat, and it's. It's one of my favorite things I do on my lunch breaks. So. And
0: and just so those of you who know, um, Emily does work at the school. Yes. So they're not just being weird and creepy. Yeah, you're not like, really being hey, really creepy. Let's hang on the yeah. school parking lot. <laughs> okay, I am, I am really glad. Uh, so far, uh, we're one for one here getting food for slash with Emily. Yes.
1: Woo! Yeah. Which is great. Like, I know that not a lot of people are able to do that on their
0: lunch breaks. So, yeah. So
1: it's great. Yeah.
0: All right, next question. What is Jonathan? What do I carry with me? To help keep me organized. So, this one was tough for me. All right. Uh, you go ahead, give the, us the answer. The answer is a composition book that I write all kinds of stuff in, from journaling to yeah. to do lists to appointments. Mm-hmm. It's the composition book. So, I, I cheated a okay. little bit. We can, <laughs> he snuck into my office. We Where's can, we can say, can well, no, no, no. I wrote two. <laughs> okay, I did okay. a slash. Okay, because okay, I, okay. I know
1: you have both of these on you at all times. Okay. Oh, um, no. So, this is kind of cheating. Uh, Maybe we can get, like, a half point. What do you got? Uh, But I got, I wrote phone slash notebook.
0: You know what? The notebook is on there. I'm giving you full credit, Okay. Okay, cool. I'm giving you full
1: credit. uh, Specifically in meetings, I notice, uh, that you got your phone, and you'll check your phone sometimes, and then you also have this, uh, if you know Jonathan, he has, like, not the best handwriting, so what? it's like it's like he's writing oh, symbols. What? He's like what? writing in code, uh, but he understands the code. So I assume that that keeps you pretty yes. organized. Got
0: the it. phone really helps when it comes to the calendar. Mm, yeah. But then that composition book, I've just been using it for way too many years. Yeah. It would be difficult to not yeah. have that. Have you replaced it over time? or Oh is yeah, the same no. One? So I mean, I don't know what its life cycle is, but <laughs> so many months, and then I get a new one. Yeah. Cool. And I keep them actually. I got a whole. Emily does like, too. Okay. She has like this whole like
1: yeah shelf at home. Like we could find out what she did <laughs> five, six, seven years ago, which would be great. Like if she's ever involved in a crime or do something. It. Like, totally. Like.
0: <laughs> All that you know. Maybe the those arguments that were oh, never really resolved yeah. between you two and. I don't think that
1: ever. Like maybe maybe there was one time where we were like, like I don't know if we did that that year, Emily. I don't. I don't think we did, and, and we, we can <laughs> and go back and she goes back.
0: She's like, no, no, no. I've I got, I've got the she proof right here. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. All right. She's normally right. So.
1: Second question for me. All right. Second question is, what does Josh typically use to stay focused in the office?
0: Okay. Uh, what What is the answer before I, I reveal mine?
1: My answer, uh, because I'm a very distractible person, is uh, I use my headphones pretty much, 24/7. If I'm, or not 24/7, but every time I'm in the office. From the moment I get in there after I say hi to Jonathan to the moment that I'm about to leave. I have my, my AirPods in and I'm listening to things to, to stay on focus, otherwise I, my mind wanders. Uh, but anyway,
0: what, what did you write? I wrote earbuds listening to podcasts is what I wrote. Yes, Yes. good job, Jonathan. <laughs> good job, Jonathan. So
1: far. You, you even got like what I'm listening to,
0: right? So, well <laughs> Two, uh, four. I was four. a little worried when you said headphones because I was like, you know what, he used to have the headphones. No. And I've I've seen the, uh, what, what do you call them, the AirPods? AirPods. I've seen the They're AirPods. They're
1: great but. because if I have, I have my Mac and I have my phone, uh, both can be paired at the same time, Oh, nice! and so like, if I get a ding on my phone, yeah. like it goes to my ear. If that's... I get a call, I can actually answer it without like being hands-free, and everything I'm listening to on
0: my computer at the same time. It's pretty cool. So Apple, if you're wanting to sponsor our uh, podcast, we just gave you some free Absolutely. advertisement. Free advertising. Anything you want to throw our way would be great. <laughs> t-shirts, money. <laughs> like I was going for the money. Yeah, that's what I was going to hoping. Yeah, T-shirts are cool, too. All right, so here it is. If I could remove one responsibility from my job description, what would it be? This, this may be the toughest of all of them. I think I might have got this wrong. So here's my answer. Okay. Funerals. And mm-hmm. the reason why is not because I don't like helping people who are going through bereavement. I just don't know if I do the best job. And I always walk away just feeling like, ah, I might have screwed that one up. No. And, yeah. and- and this is one that we share, and I go
1: back to conversations that we've had before, and I was like, ah, I, I can't remember if this is mine, or if this is Jonathan's, <laughs> but got? I, I wrote funerals. Woo, well done. all uh, right. And, uh, I don't want any of you to come away and think, don't ask Josh or Jonathan to uh, do your funeral, no. uh, even though you can't really ask that, but like <laughs> for, a, for a family member, yeah. we, we don't mind at all. Uh, in fact, I, I think when we know the person, uh, and we know that they had a relationship with God. Like yeah. that becomes a lot easier. Yeah. But it's just not fun. And I, I have a I have a slight fear of dead bodies.
0: Um, <laughs> so, and so that bothers me. So even before the funeral service, even the visitation, you're you're a little <laughs> I'm, not, amped up. I'm a little. Okay. Uh, love you guys. Yes. We'll,
1: we'll be we'll happy to. If do you that.
0: die, if you die, you won't know if we're doing your funeral or not. though. So <laughs> That's fair. hey, maybe. All
1: right, what's mine? <laughs> my number three. So we're five for five. That's pretty close. Yeah. We're actually at least not enemies. Um, <laughs> what's Josh's favorite weekly responsibility he has? Mm-hmm. My answer yeah. uh, actually, if you get this right, it'd be crazy because oh, Emily didn't even really? get this right. Um, Emily didn't even know this. Okay, I, uh, she no guessed way. wrong. I, I I, I, my favorite thing that I get to do uh, every single week, and I used to get really stressed out about it, I actually love it the last like four plus years. Uh, is writing my lesson for Wednesday nights. Uh, right. It's teaching on stage, like being there with the students. I don't really like um, necessarily preaching in front of the entire congregation. Uh, something about adults, like, freaks me out. But, like, kids, like, students, love that. Okay,
0: uh, So that's my favorite thing. I don't know, then, if you want to give this to me or not. I, I put Wednesday night youth. I think that counts. Does that count? I think that counts. Okay. It, it, it's uh, like uh, that's
1: that's the biggest part of my programming for Wednesday Night Youth. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: So we're going to go and say we got this one. We're on a All roll, right, man. Yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> on a roll. Okay, here's the next one. What is my favorite part of the weekly staff meeting? We mm. meet weekly as a staff. We've got lots of different things that we do yep. in that staff meeting. Uh, my answer, my answer. I enjoy like laughing and goofing around and and whatnot. But mm-hmm. my favorite part of the staff meeting is our prayer time together. What do we have? I wrote prayer time. <laughs> yes. We're inhaling this. Yes. <laughs> that's,
1: no, that's probably my favorite part that we do as well. Everybody prays and uh, it's very intentional and uh, yeah, it's really great. Really fuels me. So well, well,
0: this actually leads to your next question, yes. which has to do with prayer in staff meeting.
1: Yeah, so even though we never establish who prays when in staff meeting, when does Josh typically pray? This is probably the easiest question. I think it was. So my answer is I always pray last. Um, and I don't do that intentionally. Sometimes I want to, like, throw a curveball, but uh, Tina is just... Like so fast always. after you, yeah. uh, and then Joanna is just on it right after Tina, and like I, I take a moment before I pray and like kind of breathe, and like that always puts me sometimes, last.
0: Sometimes, sometimes Junior will some you know sit in a weird place, yeah. and sometimes he's Throw last. But but you are the closer. You're the closer. closer. Yep. All right. Yep. We've just got one more. We we've already established that we are, are, are besties. our besties. Yeah. Eight for eight. But maybe we can get ten for ten. All right. We'll see. When Jonathan is not at work, when I'm not at work, what would I most likely be doing or like to do? I would say having adventures with my family. I I think I even got the wording right. come on. On an adventure with
1: his family.
0: (laughs) Okay, last one. That's crazy. Yeah, no, this is good stuff right here. All right,
1: number five is I've had plenty of whoopsies and uh uh-ohs in ministry, uh, what have what has been the biggest, I've and obviously so this would be in my mind, what has been the biggest I've had since we've been in ministry together? So not before, but since we've been in ministry <laughs> together, when's, what's been my biggest uh-oh or whoopsie in youth ministry? What's your answer? Oh, oh I forgot. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've had a few that, like, have made me uncomfortable, have made me, like, feel really bad about, like, oh, man, I, I really could have done that better. Uh, but one happened very recently, uh, and it was I booked a 15-passenger um, a, a van for youth uh, a month ago, or a month before the, the trip, with a debit card instead of a credit card. And apparently that's a big no-no when it comes to car rentals. And when I went the day before we were leaving to pick up the van, they told me, Sorry, we, we, you can't have it. And there was, it was this big ordeal that lasted like five hours at the airport. And I was sitting there just trying to figure it out. Jonathan actually helped me uh, help bail me out of that situation. We ended up getting a van, but that was a big, big learning experience for me.
0: I said, budget <laughs> rental van. There it is. Yes. We um, are officially work besties. Nice. Woo! In and budget face. if you wanna uh, yeah, sponsor no. us. You know, I don't even want to be sponsored by <laughs> your budget. And anyone out there wanting to rent a vehicle, don't use Budget. Mm. I, I I don't find this episode sponsored by Enterprise. We'll pick you up. I, I, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no that 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 was a that was on the, probably easily the top ten worst uh, customer service experiences of my life. I thought you were gonna say like church experiences of your life. No, no, that was all right. <laughs> I've had some bad ones those too. But maybe top five, maybe top five worst. It was mm. just like you guys are not trying to be helpful mm. at all. Uh, it was just it was pretty awful. But anyway, yeah, my I was. Gonna give a big, huge in-your-face to Tina and Joanna. Um, take that. We're really ten out of ten. Yeah, ten right there. out 10. Okay. I did not expect that. Actually. <laughs> I thought for sure something might mess wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but we're gonna be talking about work today. Um, so maybe maybe you don't have as wonderful as a work relationship with your employees as Josh and I do. But you can still find joy and meaning and purpose in your work. And so we're gonna be trying to answer that question. Okay. Well, how how do we how do we stretch a little bit closer to the love of work mm-hmm. and not just the hate of work. Because the reality is God has actually called us to work. When you look at the Genesis story, one of the first things, in fact, the very first instruction that that God has given Adam is he's giving him work to do. Yeah. And that's before sin entered the world. <laughs> so work is a big part of our lives. We're going to be doing it for a long time. I was reading an article not long ago about... Um, well, in the article, there was a story about a teacher who asked a student, hey, describe uh, your dream job. Describe your dream job. Mm. And before I give you this student's answer, when you were a teenager, what would your dream job have been? Mm. Um,
1: playing video games all day for <laughs> a living and somebody paying me money to do that. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. As a kid, like, I remember thinking that and, like, people being like, ha, oh, ha, ha, ha. But, like, that's actually it thing people do now which is kind of crazy but anyway that would be my answer
0: yeah okay so this this student looked at the teacher and said I cannot tell you what my dream job would be because I do not dream about work (laughs) which I thought was brilliant and totally made me laugh (laughs) but the article went on to say that that is unfortunately a very common Mm. perspective with the emerging generation Mm -hmm. Gen Z that you know Leisure, Trump's work all day long, and there—at least when it comes to the traditional forms of work—there's not a whole lot of uh, there's not a whole lot of you know desire to be involved in that. And honestly, I don't even know if I could—I would describe that as a generational issue. Mm. I mean, I talk to so many adults who—they're yeah. just kind of barely hanging in there.
1: I was gonna say like that might be a big reason why they think that is because they see the adults in their lives like just miserable.
0: Absolutely. So So again, the question that we're going to be trying to answer today is how can we move that more towards loving work as opposed to just doing it for the sake of doing it Mm. and hating the whole process. Uh, This takes us to a story that I heard recently uh, about a kid named, let me get this right, his name is Norris and he has been mowing lawns for four years and not just his own lawn, but neighbors' lawns as well. Mm. And it started when he noticed that one of his neighbors who was handicapped wasn't able to mow his lawn. And so he didn't say anything. He just walked over to uh, this handicapped neighbor's uh, yard and just started mowing. And he's been doing it ever since. Uh, that stretched into wanting to help other people because he noticed that this was really enjoyable, helping somebody. And so he noticed that there was an elderly couple, same situation, just weren't moving the way they probably used to. And so he went over and mowed their lawn. And then on top of that, he saw a single mom who was just constantly working and trying to juggle all kinds of things. So again, not not asking, just walking over there and started mowing your lawn. And for the last four years, he's been just mowing people's lawns. Now, he does desire at some point to turn this into a money-making job experience. Mm. But right now, he gets no money for all the work that he's doing. He simply wanted to help people. So Josh, pretty amazing guy named Mm -hmm. Norris. What, in your mind, is most commendable about Norris and his story?
1: Uh, He has given up leisure for yeah. being able to uh, serve others, which, uh, he's I mean, like the, the selflessness there is probably my favorite part. Huge,
0: yeah. huge. And one of the other aspects that I love about Norris, and this is where we're leading, in, leaning into today, is he has found this really wonderful ingredient uh, that combines aspiration and inspiration. Mm. And when you're able to combine aspiration as well as inspiration into your work experience, you will most likely be moving towards joy and fulfillment in your work. Now, those are words that sound really similar. Uh, They actually can probably be used interchangeably. Uh, At least people have. Maybe they shouldn't because they are two different words. Josh, help us out. What in the world does, what is aspiration? All right. So aspiration
1: is the hope or ambition to achieve something. And then inspiration is the process of being mentally stimulated to do something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So again, you might hear that and you might think to yourself, "Okay, what does that actually have to do with finding joy and fulfillment at work?" I'll give you an example. So when I was in high school, I was I had an aspiration to own my own vehicle. Um, we were a two-car family. Both my dad and my mom worked. They needed their vehicles. I was under no illusion that they were going to pass on one of their cars to me by the time I got my driver's license yeah. or moved out of the house. And so. I had this aspiration that, yeah, one day I'm going to own my own vehicle, Mm. and I'll be able to drive wherever I want to go. Wouldn't you know it that as soon as I had that aspiration, I was suddenly inspired to actually get a job (laughs) and start working. Yeah. And it wasn't just one job. It was a couple jobs. So I was working at an after-school daycare as well as doing janitorial services for my church. So you can imagine I had some serious aspiration if I'm willing to clean toilets in order to get that aspiration fulfilled. In your own life, Looking back, when you started being inspired to work, yeah, what was the aspiration that led to the inspiration? So, uh, one of my biggest motivators for getting my
1: actual like first job that paid oh, like weekly was I wanted to get married. So uh, I was dating Emily for a while. Um, I was in college, and my parents were very kind enough to like figure things out with me to where like you know. I didn't have to pay for much when I was in college Um, I had my board obviously paid for with my my debt that I was racking up but then (laughs) on top of that like there was um, like the food vouchers and all of that stuff so I could live off of that and then my parents would help pay for for gas for me to get back and forth because they really wanted me to focus on my studies but towards the end of my college time I was like well I have no money for a ring and I have no job right now so uh, I probably need to figure that out. Uh, so I actually started commuting from home one of my last semesters uh, that I was there uh, and worked at a daycare after school. Both of us. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I did that with the thought in mind of um, I want to work with students one day. And then on top of that, my my aspiration was to get married. So <laughs> I was inspired to make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So and this brings us back to Norris's story for a moment in Norse's story he's not even making money mm. he would like to there definitely is an aspiration that hey let's let's turn this into some sort of money making venture but that's clearly not his aspiration mm. what was his aspiration that continues to inspire him to do what he's doing
1: to help people he
0: wants to help people mm-hmm. like that's what's driving him that's giving him the inspiration to continue to do this i think even in my own Journey when it comes to a career, I think something similar happened to me. I, I I was I had an aspiration to love God through service. That I knew that that was what God had called me to. I, I had some gifts and some talents and abilities. I wasn't sure how I was going to serve Him and love Him through that service. Yeah. But at the same time, um, I was at a church that did not have a youth program, and so I, I was inspired hey, maybe maybe that's a really cool way to love God by serving students. And I found myself in that position. And it was interesting because I, when the leadership team sat me down and said, okay, Jonathan, we'd actually like to start paying you for what you've been volunteering. I was like, I just hit like the jackpot, (laughs) I just won the lottery. Are you serious? So you're gonna pay me for what I've been buying? I mean, I've been spending my own money when it comes to driving these kids around and buying equipment, you're you're not gonna pay me? It was just Mm -hmm. like, this is amazing. Uh, I think this leads to an interesting uh, quote from Confucius. I don't know if I totally agree with him, but I think it's a nice idea. He says, choose a job you love and you'll never have to work a day in -hmm. your life. Mm -hmm. And part of that just leads us to another question. When it comes to those people who are looking at their work and they're thinking to themselves, you know, eh, when is this going to end? Like, I just hate this so much. Do you think it's possible that it's less about, you know, this inspiration? That The reason why they're having such a hard time with this inspiration is that maybe they've set the bar too low when it comes to aspiration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, even... When it comes to my aspiration and your aspiration, mine for getting a, a car, yours for a wedding band, uh, once you achieve that, what's, what's gonna inspire you to continue to go back? Mm. I think a lot of people is like, okay, I just wanna buy stuff, and that's what I'm aspiring to. Mm. I, I just need to survive, that's what I'm aspiring to. Yeah. But the bar, that's, that's setting the bar really, really low. Um, we see examples like Norris who, well, he's aspiring to something really noble, his aspiration just to help people. And so imagine having that aspiration every single day that you go into work saying, you know what, there's just going to be one person, at least one person that I'm going to help. And Mm -hmm. that's going to get me out of bed because I want to help people. Uh, I think we see it with Christians oftentimes. They're in a They're in a bad job, but they want to interact with people in such a way to lead them to Christ. Mm. And so they're setting that aspiration as high as possible, and that's giving them the inspiration to actually get out of bed and and do the work that God has called them to do. Uh, I don't know. Thoughts on that? No, that's, uh, man, talking with people recently, like uh,
1: other fellow adults who are in their their late 20s, uh, a big thing that you can start to think about when you're in that stage is, okay, I've had jobs up to this point, but what, what do I want my career to be? Like, why, yeah. why, what do I want to set my, my mind on for the rest of my life? Um, and is what I'm doing worthwhile? And mm-hmm. it's just interesting, like, having those conversations because, like, Christian or not, like, we want to feel like we're being used and we're, we have a purpose. Um, and if you ask yourself, like, if you, if you hate your job and uh, you don't see an end in sight, like, what why, why are you why are you doing it? What, what, what is it Why did you accept it in the first place? Was it just to make money? and then what was that money being used for? Um, because a lot of us, if we if we don't have a end goal in mind, like a mm. like we've talked about mission statements before. Uh, if you don't have one of those, like that i I feel like you have to have before you can answer the question of, okay, do I do this long term? Do mm. I go for like higher up? on the food chain when it comes to like where I'm working or do I go, uh, for, you know, uh, X amount of years here and then move to somewhere else. Like, it helps answer those questions because you have a motivator. Yeah. Um, And I don't know.
0: That leads exactly into the challenges that we're going to be talking about and encouraging you guys to engage. Uh, But understanding the component of aspiration and inspiration really allows, I mean, think about and look at research even uh, documents this. A lot of times those people who have greater joy in their work are people who have solved that aspiration that will inspire them to continue to work. Yeah. Um, so here's a couple of challenges that we have. Uh, the first challenge we want to encourage you with is to honestly evaluate which ladder you are putting against, or excuse me, which wall you're putting <laughs> your ladder against, which sounds super weird and it's not our idea. We stole it from Stephen Covey, but what he says is we're all climbing we're all climbing uh, walls. We, we all want to achieve. And oftentimes we'll put our ladder against the, the wall of fame. And we climb and we climb and climb and climb until we, we reach the top of that wall and we have fame. Or we put our ladder against the wall of uh, success or money or power, whatever it might mm. be. And we climb and climb and climb. And he talks about how tragic it is for people to get to the top of that wall, look down and say, ah, I put my ladder against the wrong wall. And so Honestly, assessing okay, what what wall am I putting my ladder on? Is it what I ultimately want from life, or am I going to achieve it and then realize I actually set my bar too low when it comes to what I should be aspiring to? Um, This leads me to ask you because I know you've walked through this uh, recently. I guess in the last you know six to seven years, Mm -hmm. Um, what? How did you choose? How did you choose which which wall to put your ladder on? Um, so, like,
1: obviously, I, I don't want to act like I have it all together, too. Like, I'm 28, and there have been those floodings in my mind where it's like, okay, long term, am I setting my, am I, am I doing the right things? Like, am I am I achieving the goals that I want to? Uh, but I, I, I've, I've had the same passion for a really, really long time, and it's all come from God, um, like, changing my life for, for the better when I was in high school and then going into college and just having this mindset of... Um, I feel like God wants me to be a missionary wherever I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, if that's the States, which is a place where people need Jesus, then awesome. If it's specifically Lawrenceburg, then um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna set my mind like uh, the missionaries that I've met, like Justin Ross or uh, others that I met through school who have this, you know, game plan wherever they went. Um, and like when I was in school, I studied missions. and so like, we talked a lot about uh, five-year plans, right? Uh, Like when you get on the ground, what do you do? Uh, When you've established a group, how do you start to push uh, Bible study? How do you start to build a church from foundationally? And then uh, how do you approach that culture, like where they are? Um, And that just, like, I just felt this, like this sense of, okay, um, in my mind, I've always thought like missionaries are called to a place but like you can be a missionary where you've grown up, Josh. And mm-hmm. um, uh, when I got married, we, Emily and I got an apartment in Lawrenceburg and I was like, okay, well that means my mission field is Lawrenceburg. Let's find some places to do that. Uh, and uh, I luckily found a full-time job in ministry, uh, but I know that regardless of where I go, the wall that I'm climbing uh, is I just want to be a missionary where I am. Uh, I want to make disciples. I want to make sure that I have the mindset, uh, that is set on like something that is eternal rather than what is here building up, building up things for myself and stuff. So yeah, that's, that's, no, that's helped good. drive me, uh, since I was probably a senior in high school, freshman in college. And so, yeah.
0: Yeah. So evaluate. Okay. You're putting your, your fe- or your ladder on a wall. What wall is it? Is it actually something that is worth your time? Is it noble enough for your life? If not, do some reevaluating now, otherwise at the end of your life you might really have some serious regrets. Yeah,
1: no no one wants to get to the end and, and realize <laughs> I've done absolutely nothing <laughs> but put in my work at nine to yeah. five and I have nothing to show for it, so yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. With that too, we would encourage you to write a personal mission statement for your work. Josh already (laughs) mentioned it, and we've talked a lot about it. In fact, earlier this year in January, we have an episode where we highlighted exactly what that would look like, um, gave you some some tips for that. But specifically, this one's for work. This is not just a life mission statement or a family mission statement. This This would be specifically, why am I going in to work every single day? And I know for me as a pastor, at least when it comes to what i create on sunday mornings for a sermon i've got kind of a a short little mission statement because there are there are times where it's like ah man i'm i'm running out of my creativity i i I don't know if i can keep doing this and i just i just tell myself okay Jonathan, what you're trying to do is you're trying to create something that is is simple to understand you're trying to create something that is engaging for people that drawing them in Mm -hmm. something that is practical for their life based out of God's Word that can lead to life change. Mm. And so why am I doing what I'm doing? Because I, God's Word is something that can lead to life change. Mm. And if I can present that in a way that is clear, in a way that is engaging, in a way that is practical, well, then I'm all, all about it. And I'll begin that process Monday mornings with Josh, <laughs> making sure that everyone is not bothering me. And that's one of those things that that fuels me. Uh, another example, uh, this was done by a researcher. They, this was their uh, work mission statement. I thought it was really neat. They say, I strive to discover a life-changing idea that will forever transform my career and the lives of other people. And I love that because there are times where you wake up in the morning and you're like, I don't want to go in. And if you just look down at that mission statement and say, wait, 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 no, I'm getting out of bed because I strive to discover a life-changing idea that will forever transform my career and the lives of other people that reframes again. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I just want to say, too, like, something that I pushed heavy with my students was because I got a few of them who were like, okay, I guess this means that God's calling me to be a pastor, and I was like, maybe, but um, something I, I I don't know, in, in prayer, too, and I feel like I've heard some people say some similar things, but something I pushed heavy with my students was them to know, you know, God doesn't call us all to be pastors. He does, however, call us all to be disciple makers, so wherever you are, like uh, if you're in your, in uh, a job and you don't have a direction, like know that that is a call he's put on all of us. So how are you using your job as a way to, to push that, that purpose that he's given you? Um, I don't know if that helps or not, but
0: (laughs) one final story before we end, this is a story that comes from Dave Ramsey and at least in an interview that I saw him being interviewed in. The interviewer was talking about how he ran into this coworker of Dave's. And if you don't know, Dave Ramsey is a pretty famous guy. He does finances, Financial Peace University. And he's talking about how he ran into one of his employees who just was so excited about what Financial Peace University is doing. And the guy had been working for like 14 to 17 years with Financial Peace University. And so this interviewer turns to this employee and says, well, how are you still so excited about work? And Mm. without, you know, batting an eye, he said, what we do at Financial Peace University matters so much. And the second reason why I'm so excited to be a part of it is because I know my part, the part that I'm playing, is actually making a huge impact in what is so important for other people. Mm. And I think if you can begin to recognize some things that maybe God is calling you to be aspiring to that's going to give you that inspiration to continue to have even that attitude like this uh, individual that I've just shared. But until next time, don't forget that life is so much better with God, community, and purpose.